I'm going home to where the soil is red To try and clear my head To sleep in my old bed I'm going back to where the corn grows high To where my mother lies To where my father cries Life turns around on its head Upside down Just like that things change in a flash Swept offshore with the crash of a wave Dashed and strewn and left just like that This is a wireless theatre production Open Air by Zaney Burrow with Amanda Gordon, Gerard McDermott, Rachel Atkins, David Holt and Kate O'Sullivan. Usually, it's such fun going to Devon. A few days on the farm, chilling out with the pigs, cows, go for a nice walk by the sea, hike across the moor with a homity pie picked up en route through Dulverton, then, after the obligatory father-daughter talk, back to North London. Back to the love of my life. A small fringe theatre called the Brown Duck. Today, however, the 303 across Salisbury Plain towards Honiton seems to have little of its usual charm. And the large truck in front matches my mood perfectly as it lumbers lethargically up the hills. Even the magic of Stonehenge has vanished leaving only a pointless pile of grey rocks to my right. Six hours later, I drive slowly up the potholed lane to my father's farm. It's late, and I'm home. Ruby. Ruby? Sorry if I scared you. I was hoping to be down much earlier, but you know how it can be on the 303. Tailbacks for miles. What are you doing here? I've been trying to call you for two weeks, Dad, but the phone's been dead. Why are you sitting in the dark? Oh, I like the dark. <clears throat> the bulb's gone, that's all. All the bulbs have gone. Well, where are the new ones? Under the sink still? <laughs> New ones, she says. And when am I meant to have got new bulbs, Ruby? There's been a pandemic, in case you ain't noticed. Sorry. Look, I'll sort it tomorrow, Dad. Anyway, there's candles in the desk and matches somewhere at the back. Right. Ah! Here we go. Good God! Are you all right, Dad? You look... Terrible. Oh, thank you. And it's such a tip in here. Mary's not been up to clean for a while, has she? And I'm not good at all this house stuff, you know that. Have you been sleeping down here? In the chair? What's it to do with you if I have? It's not good, Dad. Really bad for your back. It's my back, not yours. Anyway, what are you doing here? I've been worried about you. Worried, eh? You never came back in the summer when you could have. Things have been difficult for me. For everyone, not just you, Ruby. I know that. 
Look, Dad, I want to ask you something. <sighs> Can I come home? You are home. I know. But what I mean is to stay. For a while. Not long, I hope. But just long enough for me to get back on my feet again. I told you the theatre was a non-starter. Dad, can we not have I this again? You, you Ruby, but you thought the streets were paved with gold. I never thought that, Dad. Oh, prancing around with a bunch of actors was never going to pay the bills. I've not been prancing about. I've worked really hard for several years now and the brown duck was beginning to make money. <laughs> brown duck? Proper money. And it's not my fault there's been a pandemic. Look at this room. You're living like a tramp. Well, why don't you bugger off back to your brown duck bag? Because I can't. Believe you me, if I could, I would, but I've lost everything. My theatre, my flat, and worst of all, my friends. You have no idea how it feels to tell your actors that you can't pay them. I mean, they're living hand to mouth at the best of times, and now, well, they're finished. We're all finished. I'm finished, Dad. <sighs> I'm going to bed, and so should you. Let's get one thing straight. If I want to sleep down here, then I will. I won't have you swanning back from London telling me how to live my life. Fine. <laughs> I feel my way up the stairs into my old room. Before 2020, it felt safe to come home. Cosy. But everything's different now. You know, a meteor could hit Devon. Aliens could land on Calmstock Beacon. Pigs could fly past the window. And I don't actually think I'd be shocked by anything now. But when I wake up, I realize I'm wrong. The house is bathed in light, in all its gruesome glory. And it's more than obvious that Dad is not coping. Outside, everything is strangely still on the farm. No early cockerel call or chicken cluck. No blaring cows or pigs snorting. No tractor hum. No thrum of milking machine or contented whistle. Just an empty silence. And my father standing there in the yard looking quite lost. Well, now you know. What happened, Dad? The pigs went first. Then Jilly come up and took the stirks a couple of months on. Why? I was on my own, Ruby. Nobody would come up here to work. I couldn't do it all on my own, that's the truth of it. I couldn't manage. I gave the hens to Molly down Pond Lane. She always wanted hens, so now she's got some. And the cows? Oh, they were the last to go, but they knew something was up. The milk wasn't coming in, and they were skittish for days before. Oh, Dad, I'm sorry. Took him half an hour to get Beauty up in the lorry. <laughs> but then the others followed on as if to not make it hard for me. It was as if they knew how I felt. <laughs> you know, I felt exactly the same way when my theatre closed. <sighs> I understand. You can't understand. The theatre is just a bunch of people pretending to be someone else. This is reality, Ruby. These were my animals. Every one of them cows I knew. Every single one of Madden name. They were my family, Ruby. <laughs> And I let them down. No, you didn't. I just thank God June from Hayakum took them on. Oh, this place is like a bloody morgue. Oh, don't get upset, Dad. Please. I, I don't like to see you like this. 
We'll sort something out. How? All that's left is my old tractor. I'm going to stay here and help you. We'll get through this. Look, I've been thinking that if we sold this place... We? If you sold this place, then you could get a little character cottage down in the village, perhaps. No. There's a pub there in the post office. You could take life easier. You know, there'd be money over for you to put in the bank to live off and... I don't want to live in a pokey little cottage with all them down there nosing around what I'm doing, sticking their oar in. Look, the thing is, Dad, if you did do that, then, well, there'd be enough left over to buy me a flat, oh. maybe. Just a small flat. You know, in somewhere like Tiverton or Wellington. Ah, and so I... that's why you've come back. You just want me to buy you a flat? No, Dad, it's not like that. Yes, it is like that. You need somewhere to live, so you thought you'd come back home and get your old dad to, to sell his farm. Well, let me tell you, that's not happening. The only way you'll get me to leave is feet first. My life is up here, Ruby. But, Dad, there is no life. You will never get me to leave this place, and that is final. What do you intend to live on? Oh, I've got plenty enough to feed myself. No, you haven't. How do you know that? Dad, there's post piled up by the front door. You haven't looked at it for months, so I did. This morning, I opened your statements. Your current account is only just in the black, and in the business account, you've got £339.27. That's all right. I'm not overdrawn. It's not enough long-term, or even short-term. And the phone's been disconnected. I don't like phones anyway. You've got no electricity. The place is cold, damp. It's nearly summer. I can do without it. Yes, but what about when winter comes? Oh, please, stop this, Ruby. We need a plan, Dad. I, I just need to sit down for a minute or you two. You cannot live like this. If I don't sit down, I'll fall down. Please, Ruby. Sorry, Dad. Of course. Oh, look. Let's go inside and have a cup of tea. You have got tea, haven't you? Uh, yes, Ruby, I have got tea. Well, that's all right then, eh? Where there's tea, there's hope. It takes me two solid weeks to clean the house. Every window is black with mould, all the bedding's damp, and the kitchen, well, it is apocalyptic. The bathroom, I'd rather not talk about. I can't believe my dad has been living like this for a year. Why didn't I pick up on anything during our phone calls? I was so consumed with myself. I should have come down to Devon, done lockdown with him, and none of this would be happening. If I can get a job, then we can sort this mess out. I opened my laptop and Googled job openings at the Northcott Theatre in Exeter. Nothing. We've temporarily suspended all hiring due to the pandemic. Then the Orchard Theatre in Taunton, same. The Palace in Torquay, Sidmouth Pavilion. I search every small theatre from Plymouth to Bristol. There's absolutely nothing. And then, as I'm scrolling down to the bottom of the 10th page of Google, past village halls with amateur dramatic societies, I notice a small line of blue text. The Minac Theatre. I click onto the homepage, and at first I can't remember why it rings a bell. But then I remember my old drama teacher telling us about it in class years back, so I click on job vacancies. But of course, absolutely nothing. Just out of curiosity, I scroll through the site and come across an extraordinary picture. 
it's of this eccentric-looking woman reclining in a rusty old wheelbarrow right on the very edge of a cliff, reading. Her hair is this shock of unruly curls spiralling out of control, and I don't know why, but I feel strangely drawn to her, that somehow, for some mad reason, she might even be able to help me. Marina Cade, the master builder. I quickly get into bed and start Googling. Dad, I was reading last night. Oh, yeah? Yes, about this woman who lived in Cornwall, Rowena Cade. Have you heard of her? Rowena Cade, Rowena Cade. No, I don't know her. Uh, make sure my bacon's crispy. Well, you wouldn't know her as such, besides she's dead now, but I just thought you might have come across her. Back in the 20s, she bought a headland in Cornwall. A headland? Yes, for £100. Came down on holiday with her mother and bought it. Just like that. What'd she do that for? You can't farm on a headland. I mean, the only thing you can keep up there is goats or ponies, perhaps. A useless land, really. There you go. Ah. She built a theatre, Dad. Pretty much on her own. On a headland? An amphitheatre. Oh, like the Romans. Yes, that's right. The Minac Theatre. Her gardener helped her a bit, but she did most of it herself. Moved massive granite boulders, levelled terraces, and carried bags of sand up from the beach to make her own cement. Mm. Now it's a great success. Well, I've never heard of her. And what are you telling me all this for, anyway? Dad, what I'm trying to say is... Well, I just think we could do something similar here on the farm. What? <laughs> Build a Roman amphitheatre? No, not build an amphitheatre, no. But we could use the farm in a similar way. Similar how? Put on shows. Shows? Yes, why not? Create a performance space. We could use the cow shed. The acoustics are fantastic. We wouldn't even need microphones. Ruby, what planet are you from? I don't know where you get all these newfangled ideas. Not you, that's for sure. Mm. Look. You could get your old apple press out of the tool shed. It's been sitting there for years, gathering dust. Get it up and running again. Why? There's a whole orchard out there, Dad. We could make our own apple juice and scrumpy. You could serve it in the interval. Now that would make a few quid. When are you going to grow up, Ruby? And what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> when you were five, you wanted to turn the chicken coop into a luxury hotel. Well, at least I had a vision. Yes, for about five minutes, you painted the door, then gave up. I didn't give up. I ran out of paint. You start things, then, when they get a bit difficult, you stop trying. That is not true. It is. Not entirely. Ruby, your head is in the clouds. Dad, we've got to do something. I know we've got to do something, Ruby, but a theatre on a farm? I've never heard such nonsense in all my life. Fine. You were always unsupportive. Uh, no, Ruby, not unsupportive. Realistic. You never listened to me. Whenever I came up with an idea, you blocked it. You always said it was silly. Remember when I wanted to pretend that Meredith was a dragon? She was a cow. And you can't milk a dragon. I was pretending, Dad. <laughs> Make believe. You know what kids do. And when I told you I was going to be a ballerina, you said I couldn't dance. You couldn't. Well, uh, no. But that's not the point. You should have told me that I could. Lie, you mean? Oh, you just don't get it, do you? Anyway, the only way we are going to get any money is if we... Well, 
sell your vintage tractor. And what if I don't want to sell my vintage tractor, which I don't? You only use it to pot around the fields. Besides, we have no choice. There are bills to pay, Dad. Look, I found a man down in Cornwall who collects them, and he will pay a lot of money for a tractor like that. A lot, Dad. I said no. £10,000. 10000 Yes. Right, well, I'm quite interested now. 10000 you say? Yes, Dad. And you've been in touch with him? On the internet. Right, well, that's good then. Yes, it is good, isn't it? So, I will need to take lots of pictures and prepare a portfolio. What's that? A presentation folder. Well, that's a bit fancy, isn't it? It's professional. It's what you do these days, Dad. Then we can drive down together and present it. Right, well, I'll have to leave the presenting bit to you then. Really? Do you think I can manage that? Mm, oh, I should think so. Good. That's all settled. We'll drive down early Saturday morning. After a three-hour drive to Cornwall, we finally crawl up a steep hill and arrive at this large gravel parking area in front of a stunning coastal garden. I'm nervous and just praying that this all goes to plan. Dad, come on! We need to hurry up. All right, I'm coming as fast as I can. Oh. We're met by a man who introduces himself as Roger, and I just hope that Dad doesn't twig on. Roger guides us down through the labyrinth of gardens, and my heart is beating ten to the dozen. Oh. Nice the way you've got this all laid out here, Roger. Very nice indeed. Thank you, sir. Oh, Michael, please. Oh, they red flowers would look good in my bed at the front of the farm, eh, Ruby? Yes, Dad. Mm. They would look lovely. I wonder if they have them in B&Q. Uh, what do you reckon, Roger? Uh, I doubt it, Michael. Most of our plants are from South Africa. Oh, very fancy. The walk down feels endless. Yes, the uh, south-facing granite cliffs are the perfect habitat for such acid-loving vegetation. Uh, th this way. Well, you certainly got it laid out smart here. And then Dad pops the big question. The question I was hoping there would be no time to ask. Uh, so, do you want to see the portfolio now then, Roger? Uh, we've got some lovely pictures. <laughs> I'm afraid I have no time for portfolios currently. I'm rather busy, so uh, if you could just follow me. Come all this way and the man can't even be bothered to look at the photos you took. The talk will commence in two minutes, so um, if you could follow the path down as quickly as you can. The talk? Yes, it's about an hour's running time and should nature call, then the loser just over there on the left. I know how it is when one reaches a certain age. Oh, now, okay. forgive me, but we really do need to speed up. Right, so uh, we'll chat later then. Yes, if you have any questions, then do feel free to come and find me. And, uh, uh, yes, here we are. The Minak Theatre in all its majesty. What's going on, Ruby? Just look, Dad. Look at the view. This place is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to commence. The show? Yes, so uh, please just sit down, anywhere you like. Uh, now would be good. You lied. 
She lied to me. She said you wanted to buy a vintage tractor. Please, keep your voice down. Why would I want to buy a tractor? Ruby said you wanted to buy one. I'm an usher. I have no need for farm machinery. Ruby! I wanted you to see this place, Dad. I wanted to inspire you. So you lied? Yes, I did. It was the only way I could get you down here. I want to go home. But, Dad... No! You can't. They've shut the top gate. Now, I will attempt to find you someone who may be interested in a tractor if you will just pipe down for the next 60 minutes. Really? Yes. But you must be quiet now. The storyteller's coming onto the stage. Right. Well, uh, take this portfolio, then. It's a Massey Harris pony vintage. And it comes with a butterfly plough. <laughs> I, I couldn't care less if it comes covered in excrement, to be honest, sir. I just need you to be quiet. Welcome to the Minac Theatre. Please sit back, relax and enjoy the story of Rowena Cade, the master builder. Rowena Cade was born in 1893 into a well-to-do family in Derbyshire. As a child, she led a privileged existence in a large house in Sponden, was homeschooled, then went on to finish her education at Cheltenham Ladies College, which she didn't much like. Which I loathed with a vengeance. Perhaps one might say that Rowena Kay did not fit into the usual mould for that time. She was a tomboy. At seven, she climbed from her bedroom window into a cedar tree and promptly fell to the grass below. Well, what's one supposed to do when one sees a cedar tree beckoning one so deliciously from the window? This was perhaps a hint of things to come. As throughout her life, Rowena took huge risks. Risks that well-educated young ladies should perhaps have avoided. She was taught to use a needle and thread and could do so with great result. However, to avoid convention, she volunteered to work for the remount service and lived in an old shepherd's caravan on Sir John Gilby's estate at Elsenham. Her job was to select and break suitable horses, which were then shipped out to the front lines in Belgium and France. But perhaps her greatest legacy lies here before you, in these exquisite gardens and curved terraces, winding steps and checkered stage with the wild sea as the backdrop. The Minac Theatre, built almost single-handedly by this most remarkable woman, Rowena Cade. Goodness, you make it all sound so glamorous and romantic, but the reality was far from that. Minak means rocky place, and when I arrived, this whole area was indeed extremely rocky, and all of you out there in the audience would have been knee-deep in gorse and bracken. Where did Rowena get her inspiration for such an undertaking? From Alice. Alice through the looking glass, to be precise. My dear mother cast me in the title role in her local children's production. I was eight and the seed was sown. A year after the Great War, her father sadly died. And so she and her mother found themselves alone in their large Cheltenham house, which was part of an Edwardian world now changed beyond recognition. So they sold up and, rather unusually, chose to live a nomadic life for several years. And then, finally, they happened upon Lamorna. Rowena and her mother were instantly enchanted by the rugged granite cliffs 
And it was then that they decided to buy the Minak headland for 100 pounds, and Rowena's life changed forever. I had never before witnessed such drama, made not with words or actors, but by raw nature. Black rocks jutting out into the wild Atlantic, stinging rain brought in on a sharp wind, billowing cloud hurtling across the leaden sky. Such theater. She joined the local drama group, not as an actor, but as a costume maker for a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream in the woods at Cream. 1929. I remember fashioning the fairy's wings from silk net, aluminium and angler's lead weights while sitting in the middle of the tree-lined meadow with my sewing machine. The production went so well they did it all again the following year. But the fairies had grown so considerably in 12 months that many were unable to fit into their costumes and had to become singing fairies under the trees instead. Their next production was to be The Tempest, and a venue was needed. It was then that I looked out across my cliff garden from Minnock House and saw the beginnings of a theatre emerging before my very eyes. There in the gully below, a stage appeared. The players upon it and the rolling sea behind. An ideal setting for The Tempest. My gardener and I set to work instantly, clearing the granite rocks to create a level terrace for the acting area. We only had hand tools and a little gelignite. <laughs> I found it to be most effective. <laughs> and so, on August the 16th, 1932, I sat at my little picnic table on my lawn, selling tickets for the show. The locals clambered down the gorse-lined path to where the grassy stage awaited. And, lit by battery-powered car headlamps, the tempest began. The moon rose up across the bay, and the Minak Theatre was born. Oh, son! Here, master. What cheer? Good. Speak to the mariners. Fall to it, Yarly, or we run ourselves aground. Be stir, be stir. They even wrote about it in the Times newspaper. And Rowena Cade spent the remainder of her days building this theatre. She died a few days short of her 90th birthday. That granite plaque over there marks her achievement. But I think you'll agree her true memorial lies in every stone laid upon this rocky outcrop. Well? Well what? Come on, Dad. You've got to admit she was pretty amazing. Well. Can you imagine how many bags of sand she must have carried up from the beach over the years to build that theatre? 90 steps up, Dad, in all weathers, until she was nearly 90. <laughs> you know, apparently there was this wreckage of a Spanish ship on that beach and 12 15-foot wooden beams were washed up. So she salvaged them and carried them up to her theatre, by hand, on her own. 12 15-foot beams, Dad. 
These customs officials turned up and asked if she'd seen the wood, and she explained politely that she had taken it all up to the theatre to build dressing rooms with and invited them up to see. But they took one look at her, this frail woman, and didn't believe it possible, so they left. When she told the story later, she said, Well, I didn't tell them a lie now, did I? Like you did to me, you mean. <laughs> Dad! A six-hour round trip for nothing. Oh, why don't you ever let yourself enjoy anything? Even if you did, you wouldn't admit it. You lied. You would never have learnt about this woman if I hadn't. A tank of fuel in a day lost is all I've learnt. Do you have any idea how many people go and visit the Minak? Pay to visit the Minak? Not enough. A quarter of a million people a year. 80,000 go to see a show and the rest just to look. Just to look at what she built, Dad. And I, for one, am inspired. You know, I have seen so many of my friends suffer this year. Not just the actors, but all the technical people too. Lighting, sound and writers, dancers, singers. Most of them are selling food off the back of bikes now. There's nothing now. wrong with that. Good, honest work. I agree, but these people have trained for years to do what they do. Years, Dad. Yes. Yes, you may think that it's all some big game, but they have worked so hard and now they've been reduced to selling their souls off the back of bicycles for tips. Today, seeing that theatre on that cliff, seeing what joy she has brought to so many people's lives, what joy she will bring for years and years to come, isn't that really important? It's made me realise that we can do anything. There is no reason why we couldn't do a Midsummer Night's Dream like her. She has given me hope, Dad. You sound like one of those terrible Disney films. Dad, you really are impossible. No, Ruby, you are impossible. I agree that what this Cade woman did was fairly special, no doubt about it. But people like that are few and far between, and you are not one of them. You are just my Ruby. A farmer's daughter from Kentis I am not just a farmer's If you are going to stay with me, Ruby, then you need to go out and get yourself a proper job. Put this crazy dream out of your head and go and earn some decent money. Beaver and Badger Farmers is always looking for people. And you don't need a degree, just a bit of common sense. Thankfully, only a bit. You can go in Monday morning. But somebody from the Arts Council is coming first thing Monday. Somebody from the Arts Council? I've applied for a grant. Cancel them. I've filled in the online forms already, so I can't. Then tell them you've changed your mind. But I haven't. And they might give us funding. You honestly think someone is going to come up to a farm in the middle of nowhere and give you money to build some pie-in-the-sky theatre? We've got nothing to lose, have we? Look, if they don't give us the money... Which they won't. Then then I will go and get a job, a proper job, as you call it, wherever, and I will give up on all this. Do you mean that, Ruby? Do you honestly mean that? No lies? No lies. I promise. Good. Just let me do the talking, Dad. Oh. Hello. Good morning. Am I addressing Miss Ruby Thorne? Yes, and this is my father, Michael. All right. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I'm Marjorie Brimstone from the Local Arts Funding Committee. Now then, let me just find your validated individual applicant profile. Ah, yes, here you are. And I see you have applied for a grant for a theatre. Yes. A theatre in a cow shed, I believe. That's right. Most unusual location? Yes. Uh, perhaps I could show you, if you'd like. 
You can't take her across the yard in those shoes. Here's some Wellington boots, Marjorie. Ooh. Thank you, Mr. Thorne. They're far too big, but they'll stop you getting mud up, up your tights. That's, that's very thoughtful. <laughs> we'll have a cup of tea afterwards, shall we? If I have the time. I am extremely busy. Of course. So, if you'll follow me round this way, you can avoid most of the mud. It is rather dirty here, isn't it? It's not dirt. It's good, honest mud. Uh, this is a farm, Marjorie. Exactly. A farm. Not the ideal location for a theatrical venue. So, just over here is the shed I had in mind to use as a possible performance space. I see. Certainly extremely ambitious. I would have to agree with that. Yes. Come in. Careful you don't trip over the buckets. Dad used to keep the calves in here. Yes, there is a certain lingering scent of livestock. I will, of course, be scrubbing it through with disinfectant before use. Hmm. Now then, where do you propose to seat your audience? I don't have a firm plan as such yet, but probably over there. Where you have all those wooden carved pens? Yes, but I would obviously move them somewhere else. They do come apart quite easily. <gasps> I think moving carved pens is the least of your worries, Miss Thorne. Firstly, you will need to create a tiered seating area, which will be both complex and extremely expensive. And what about the stage? The stage? Yes, where would the stage be? In front of where the audience sit. That goes without saying, Ruby. Of course. <laughs> Sorry. I'm feeling a little bit nervous. So, will you perform in the round, or do you intend to create a proscenium arch? Well, I was considering the idea of creating a sort of amphitheatre, so the audience almost curve around the stage, which will be here, in the middle of the shed. Right. And I presume you have dressing rooms for the actors? Um, not as such yet, but we, we do have a tool shed with a gas-fired industrial heater, so it's very warm. All actors require a space in which to prepare for a performance, Ruby, and you will need at least two substantial-sized rooms with mirrors and good light. There are plenty of rooms in the house they can use. <laughs> I don't think that's appropriate, Mr Thorne. Your farm is quite some distance from here. Look. This all seems rather woolly. I know it probably seems that way, but these particular questions went on the online forms. These are fairly straightforward questions, Ruby. Well, I, I didn't think it would all happen this quickly, if I'm honest. Always best to be honest, I find. Yes. I will, of course, present your online proposal to the committee, but at this stage the idea seems a little fantastical, if not virgin on the delusional. I know I've perhaps not sold you the idea very well, but it's been a difficult time and there's been a lot to think about, you know, what with the pandemic and everything. But I can assure you that my online application has much more clarity than I seem to have today. We invest in arts and culture for a lasting return and in developing your creative practice, Ruby. You must consider making a step change. What is that change for you, Ruby? Step change right um well there's been a lot of changes in ruby's life lately marjorie yes alongside many others i'm sure but will she be providing an environment for young people to better appreciate the possibilities that the arts can offer of course she will there's a lot of youngsters down in the village that she can help do you aim to inspire and improve young people's lives ruby 
Of course she does. Well, that's the whole point of all of this. How will this development change the future? And please, let Ruby answer, Mr Thorne. Change the future? You do want to support social change, don't you, Ruby? If not, then what is the point in all this? I do. I really do. I'm just struggling to get my ideas across. My brain's gone all foggy. Always happens when I'm stressed. I'm sorry. Listen, Marjorie. Years ago, people used to turn up to places like this here farm with a wagon and perform shows outside. The wagon was their stage. And they'd tell stories to the locals from the back of it. Well, stories from the Bible, sometimes the whole Bible. Starting in the morning with the creation and finishing with the last judgment round tea time. Uh, a bit much, if you ask me. Then actors started touring the country, putting on plays in taverns, churchyards, anywhere and everywhere. So I would politely suggest that you don't come up here and look down your nose at our cow shed and what my Ruby's suggesting. I'm merely suggesting she considers our objectives a little more succinctly. You talk about supporting social change, changing the future. Well, as I see it, we all need to take a step back to move forward. We don't need much to do a show up here. In fact, we don't need your money. Just a breadth of view, like that Rowena Cade woman down in Cornwall. Know her, do you? Of course I do. Dead as a dodo now. But she bought a granite headland for £100 and then built an amphitheatre on it with her own hands. You mean the Minac Theatre, don't you? Ah, uh, so on. Well, <laughs> I never realised she built it herself. Yes, people can surprise you with what they can do, Marjorie. Rowena Cade carried bags of sand up the cliff face from Porthcurno Beach every day for 40 years in all weathers. And Ruby here, she did something similar. Really? Dad? Yes built a luxury hotel out of a chicken coop when she was five years old. Fit for a king it was. Dad, are you feeling all right? Fine. You just need to have a bit of vision, Marjorie, that's all. My Ruby here ran a big theatre up in London before all this here Covid business. In the West End? Uh, very near. She was a director of plays. So... We are very lucky to have her back, working with our local community, providing an environment for young people to better appreciate the possibilities that the arts can offer. She's going to direct A Midsummer Night's Dream first, just like Rowena Cade did. Dad! Really? Really. And I intend to do my bit too. I've got my old apple press to put together. Because we're going to make our own juice and scrumpy. I've got an orchard out there full of brown snouts and bloody turks. I beg your pardon? Types of apple, Marjorie. Perfect for cider making. Uh, half a pint of that and you'll be on your back. Now then, Marjorie, I suggest you wend your way back to your arts fund committee and have a think about your own creative practices and make a few step changes too whilst you're at it. Oh, and leave my boots by the front door before you go.
Well, I think that went very well indeed. You were very rude to her, Dad. No, I wasn't. I was just firm. And you told her we don't need any money. Well, we don't. As you said, the cowshed out there has a very good acoustic and... Well, we just need to have a bit of a tidy up, that's all. It's a bit more complicated than that, Dad. We need a proper stage, an auditorium, a lighting rig, sound desk, dressing rooms, Slow a technical team, costume Ruby. maker. It'll cost a fortune. Look, Dad, I really appreciate you standing in my corner like that. If this is about the dressing room situation, I can clear out one of the stables, no problem. It's not. And we can pick up some clothes rails from Ikea down in Exeter. Mirrors too. Uh, make it really Look, professional. I... And we can stop off for meatballs while we're there. Make a day of it. I think the dressing room situation is the least of our worries, Dad. Marjorie's right. I am delusional. All right, so you are a bit of a dreamer, Ruby. But, you know, I actually think you might have got something here. I don't get the sudden change of heart, Dad. Look, I don't like being told what I can and can't do on my own farm. And if I want to change my cowshed into a theatre, then Marjorie Brimstone from some local arts committee's not going to stop me. Now then, what we need is a plan of action. I'm going out. But we need to get started. I'm, I'm going to Beaver and Badger Farmers to try and get a job. Uh, what about the theatre? I made you a promise. Oh, but I'll see you later, Dad. <sighs> I've always had these big dreams, but never had a clear plan of action to back them up. I thought that things would somehow fall into place, and when they don't, well... I just give up, just like that. And there's my dad sticking up for me when he knows I can't organise my way out of a wet paper bag. Turns out I can't even get a job at Beaver and Badger Farmers. And so now I'm working at Quid's Inn, stacking shelves. Three weeks in and I'm already losing the will to live. How was today then? Today I've been told I need to think more about the way I stack in order to attract the right type of customer. The eyeline is the byline, apparently. Whatever that means. Right. I'm shattered. Did you know that horizontal merchandising can irritate customers? Why? I don't know. And surprisingly, I don't actually care. You don't care about much these days, do you? It's quite difficult to be passionate about stacking shelves, Dad. You don't have to do this job, Ruby. Yes, I do. I made you a promise. Promises are made to be broken. Now, that is very Disney, Dad. Can I have a cup of tea? Nope. I want you to put on your boots and come outside with me. I'm tired. I've replenished the cleaning section with 450 bottles of Grime Lift oven spray today and colour-coded the tinned goods. I'm positively drained with the excitement. Just put on your boots. Now. Oh, all right. But only if you promise to make me tea after. Deal. What do you want to show me anyway? You need to go into the cowshed. Why? Just go in, Ruby. Not everything has to be a battle. Oh, my God. It's a... It's an amphitheatre. I can see that, Dad. Like down the Minac. Apart from I used hay bales instead of cement. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it must have taken you days. A few. <laughs> Why did you do this, Dad? Because I wanted to do something just for you, Ruby. I wanted to show you that I... Well, I, I'm sorry. Sorry? 
For what? For not believing that you could be a dancer. Don't be ridiculous. You were right. I was a fairy elephant. And I should have told you that you could milk that dragon. No, you shouldn't. Besides, dragons aren't even real. Yeah, I should have. Because then you might have believed that you could do anything. That, that you can do anything, Ruby. Where's all this come from, Dad? It's my fault. If I had shown you that I believed in you, then you might just believe in yourself. Now, please, Ruby, please just leave that godforsaken job and let's make this work. I can't. Why not? You're just wasting your life. I, I can't bear to watch it. I've just got to learn to be normal. What's normal when it's at home? I don't know, but I, I just want to be satisfied with simple things like other people are, you know. Get up, go to work, have tea, watch telly, go to bed, sleep, repeat. Why? Because then I'll be like everyone else. Now, this is definitely going to sound fairly Disney, but the thing is, Ruby, I like you just the way you are, with all your sharp corners. I don't want you to be like other people. So do you think you could just stop stacking shelves and... Go on an adventure with me? I'm sorry, Dad. I'll take that as a no, then. A month later, I get the sack. The manager of Quid's Inn says that I'm lazy, and so I tell him to stuff his vertical merchandising up his arse. The weeks that follow are just dreadful. Dad's outside from 6am cleaning out the tool shed like some mad whirling dervish and God only knows what he's doing to the stable block. And well, I'm doing nothing. I just can't be bothered with anything and Dad's ridiculous energy just further highlights my total lack of motivation. I can't go on like this. Something's got to change. What are you doing? Putting my stuff in the car. Yes, I can see that, but why? I'm leaving first thing tomorrow. What do you mean? I should never have come home, Dad. You can't leave. We've got a show to put on. Will you just stop all this now? I'm worn out watching you racing around the farm for nothing. It is never going to happen. We can make it happen. I spent the entire week turning the tool shed into a dressing room. Even Betty Davis would be impressed with my mirror-mounted LED lighting. And I've built a bar in the stable block. Now, all I've got left to do is get that bloody apple press up and running. I don't know why you're bothering. For you, Ruby. That's why. And now you're going to bugger off. I'm changing direction. I don't know which direction, Giving but... Giving up, you mean, like always? No, Dad. Just accepting that sometimes life doesn't go to plan. Well, why don't you get off your backside and make it go to plan, then? Like you did with the farm, you mean? Oh, that was low, Ruby. You have no idea what I went through during the pandemic. No bloody clue whatsoever. And why was that? Because you never listened. Oh, yes, you called me once in a blue moon and went through the motions as much for yourself as anything to ease your guilt, I suppose. But you never really heard me, did you? You never listened either. I honestly think your family of cows were more important than me. No, that is not true. Well, that's how it felt. Look, I loved those cows, Rupee. But not like I love you. You are my daughter. And 
Now you've got the chance to actually do what you love, you're... You're running away. Why? You've failed, Dad. Can't you see that? You as a farmer and me as a director. No, Rupi. We've not failed. Not yet, anyway. Well, I have. Even Marjorie at the bloody funding committee doesn't believe in me. You don't know that? It's been three months and we've not heard a thing. Oh, who cares what she thinks? I do. I'm going back to London, Dad. I'll stay with a friend and then get a job, any job, and just be normal, I guess. And that'll be enough for you, will it? Yes. Well, when you discover what normal is, Ruby, will you let me know? Because it doesn't sound that interesting to me. In the morning, I drive down the potholed lane away from my home, my father and my pipe dream. Can you move your car? This drive is in constant use. There's a farm up there. I know. Sorry, I just need to make sure this sign is secure, then I'll move. Won't take a minute. What sign? The for sale sign. Mr Thorne's put the farm on the market. No, he hasn't. I can assure you he has. I'm going up there now to have a look around, take some photographs for the brochure. Sorry if I held you up. Hang on a minute. Did you forget something? You didn't tell me you were selling the farm. What must have slipped my mind? Slipped your mind? How could selling the farm slip your mind? Ruby, this is Richard Worth of Worth and Sons Estate Agents. We've already met. Hello again. When did you decide to do this, Dad? Quite recently. I've been thinking about what you said. About what? About moving down into the village. You said you didn't want to. A ah, little carrot at cottage, perhaps. But when I suggested it to you... I could go and have a pint down at the Star and Garter and I could get the Tiverton Gazette from the post office first thing. You'll hate it! All those villagers nosing round what you're doing, sticking their oar in. Oh, Ruby, don't be rude. Richard lives down in the village. That's right. Sorry, but that's what you said, Dad. Anyway, I'm glad you planted the idea, cos now I actually think you were right. I can put what's left over in the bank and it should take me comfortably through to the coffin. Could probably even stretch to a walnut one if I play my cards right. Dad, you're not thinking straight. I most certainly am. Now then, Richard, would you like to come in and take a look around? I think I can probably make a suggestion on the asking price from out here. I'm presuming a buyer may well demolish the house and do a complete rebuild. But the house is listed. Oh, we can get around that. It's full of period features. The beams are hundreds of years old. I'll suggest they use them in the garden to edge the flower beds. I've seen it done all over the West Country and it's very stylish. You can't just demolish a farm. There's an agricultural tie. Surely you know that. I also know a lot of people at the local council who can remove it. So please don't worry. Now, sheds. How many are there? There's the Dutch barn at the top, mm -hmm. stables in that big cowshed over there. Ah, now that cowshed in particular would make a wonderful conversion. No, it wouldn't. I agree with Richard. The buyer would obviously need to flatten it, but I can just see a big modern house, mm. lots of glass, mm. steel. You can't do that. Sunny evening. 
glass of wine, wonderful view down over the valley. But that's my theatre! You can't flatten my theatre! Theatre? Yes! Dad's built an amphitheatre inside that cowshed. It took days to make, and next month we're doing a Midsummer Night's Dream with the locals. Are you absolutely sure about that? Absolutely. You're not going to run away again when things get a bit tricky, are you? I'm not going anywhere. So you can just forget the idea of selling this farm. Good. So which role can Jonathan here play? Jonathan? Who's Jonathan? Um, uh, that's me. Uh, perhaps I could be one of the Starcross lovers? I, I think I'm probably too young for Oberon, though I would really love to play that part. But I thought your name was Richard. No, I just came up with that out of the blue when your dad asked me to pretend to be an estate agent. <laughs> was I good? You mean you're not an estate agent? No, <laughs> just acting. So, um, do I need to audition or, or was that enough to secure a role in your production? You're telling me that this was a setup? Yeah, yeah. A sort of improvised play, I suppose. Improvise? Totally. Look, the truth is, I applied for drama schools this year but didn't get in. Oh, you should have. You were damn good. Oh, thanks. Dad? Ruby? I should be mad at you, but... I just can't be. I just can't believe you've gone to such lengths. It was brilliant. And you, Richard... Sorry, I mean, Jonathan. Well, you were brilliant too. You really mean that? Yes! You completely fooled me. And do you know, I actually think you'd make a wonderful Oberon. You do? Yes. Thank you. Oh, wow. Honestly, the whole audition process for drama schools this year has been utterly demoralising. So, to do this has given me back my confidence. Thank you, Mr Thorne. Uh, Ruby. Thank you for the opportunity. It's me that should be thanking you for bringing my Ruby home. Now then, down to business. Mrs Scrivens from the post office has offered to print up the tickets for the show and in return she wants to play Titania. As in the Queen of the Fairies? Yes. Mrs Scrivens, who is about 80, wants to play the young, beautiful fairy queen. Yes, and to correct you, she was 92 last week. Well, that's going to be a challenge. But you are not going to run away, are you? No, I'm not. Why can I hear bells? Can you hear them? Oh, it's the Morris dancers. They're in the cowshed. Why? They, um... They want to play the fairies. Seriously? I'm afraid so. <laughs> Look on the bright side. At least you won't need to buy costumes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. This is certainly going to be an alternative production. I go across to the cowshed, and half the village is out there waiting to audition, including Marjorie Brimstone. <sighs> Marjorie, hello. Ruby, lovely to see you again. If it would be all right with you, I would very much like to audition for the role of Helena for your forthcoming production. 
Helena. I'm fully aware that I am slightly older than the usual casting for this role, but I have suffered the slings and arrows of unrequited love in my time and can therefore truly relate to Helena's plight. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Marjorie. Oh, don't be. It's all part of life's rich tapestry. Do you have a speech prepared? Absolutely. I was going to do the one where Helena is chasing Demetrius through the woods. Lovely. Shall I do it now? Yes, why not? Could everybody just be a little quieter, please? Marjorie is going to do her audition piece. <clears throat> oh, I'm terribly sorry, but before I start, do you think I could have a word with the Morris dancers? Of course. Gentlemen, would you mind awfully keeping still? Your bells are rather distracting. Thank you. When you're ready then, Marjorie. Oh, dear. <laughs> I suddenly feel rather nervous. I've only ever been in one production before and I was playing the corpse. Not speaking role. Just take a couple of deep breaths <clears throat> and you'll be fine. Uh, not too many or you'll hyperventilate. Oh, I am out of breath in this fun chase. The more my prayer, the lesser is my grace. Happy is Hermia wheresoever she lies, for she hath blessed and attractive eyes. How came her eyes so bright? Not with salt tears. If so, my eyes are oftener washed than hers. No, no, I am as ugly as a bear, for beasts that meet me run away for fear. Therefore, no marvel, though Demetrius do as a monster fly, my presence thus. <laughs> Thank you, Marjorie. That was really very good. Really? Yes, really. You were wonderful, Marjorie. Thank you, Michael. And if I were that Demetrius chap, well, I'd be the one chasing you through the woods. And I certainly wouldn't be flying your presence thus. <laughs> That's terribly kind. The part's yours, Marjorie. That is, if you want it. Are you absolutely sure? You're not just placating me, are you? No. You'll make a very original Helena. Then I'd love to play the part. Thank you, Ruby. You're welcome. Uh, now then, last time you come up here, you never got that cup of tea we offered. So, uh, would you like it now? I would like that very much. Oh, I almost forgot. I have a cheque from the Arts Funding Committee. Here you are, Ruby. £6,000? I didn't give it you before my audition, just in case you felt obliged to cast me in the role. And I'm only sorry it's not more. If I'd had my way, it would have been double that. But I didn't think you liked the idea of a farm theatre. You seem so unimpressed. That's my job. A sort of test, if you like. We can't go giving money out willy-nilly unless we see a real passion for a project. I didn't think I expressed my passion very well at all. You absolutely didn't. But your father did. Well, thank you, Marjorie. <laughs> now then, Michael, shall we go and have that cup of tea? Uh, perhaps you might like to try my scrumpy instead. Uh, just to see if it's any good, you understand. <sighs> Lead the way. 
By late afternoon, all the villagers have all gone home. A Midsummer Night's Dream is cast, and I feel so happy. Dad does too, it seems. I can hear him and Marjorie, their hoots of laughter ringing out through the farm kitchen across the yard. It's been a while since he's laughed like that, and it sounds lovely. I go into the stable block and help myself to a glass of cool, cloudy scrumpy. I decide I won't go inside for a bit. Rehearsals start Saturday morning and we only have a month before opening night, so it's all go. Ginny from the pub kitchen is making the costumes. She's sewn all her auntie's paste jewellery onto Titania's gown. Yes, our fairy queen might be 92, but so what? She is set to be the most glamorous Titania this side of Taunton Dean service station. The darts team are playing the Rude Mechanicals, a name that suits them well, and we have the little ones from Kentish Bear Primary doing the music. It's more noise than music, but nobody cares because it's fun. I can honestly say this is the best fun I've ever had as a director. And at the end of every day, I am absolutely shattered. Dad's busy as a bee too, pressing apples out in the stable block and cursing liberally. Every evening, I sit and watch him layer the clean barley straw and a little wheat reed for binding with the apple pulp. And slowly it grows. Six, eight, ten layers up. Straw and apples, straw and apples. Up and up it goes. He presses it down with elm wood, then turns the ratchet spanner and the dark yellow waterfall of apple juice streams through the straw into the dish of four-inch oak below, then onwards into the wooden barrels to make the cider. He so wants the scrumpy to be ready for show night, but it's tough work using that old press. Really physical. I suddenly realise that my dad is no longer invincible. He's actually quite an old man. I never thought I'd feel this way, but coming home is the best thing I've ever done. August 15th, 7.25pm, and it's opening night. I can't believe we're set to go. The cast are ready, the audience are taking to their hay bale seats, and the light of this warm and glorious day is... is fading! Fast! I suddenly realise my terrible mistake. I run to Dad in the stable bar. Dad! What is it? Lights! What about them? We've forgotten them, that's what. Oh. Nobody is going to be able to see the show. The sun is setting and in an hour, probably less, then the cow shed will be in darkness. Oh. What are we going to do? God! How could I have been such an idiot? I call myself a director. Oh, let me think. We've always rehearsed during the day and I just didn't think. I've blown it. I've let everyone down. God, I'm never going to be able to show my face in the starring garter again. I've got it. What? We'll do what Rowena did. What did she do? Well, don't you remember? No, I don't. Go and tell the audience that there will be a slight delay whilst we get our lighting up and running. What did she do? Just tell me, Dad. Battery-powered car headlamps, that's what. 
Only we're going to use the tractor. Now, go and tell him. Genius! <laughs> Dad. What now? Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, apologies, there will be a few minutes delay whilst we get our lighting in place. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you all for coming and supporting our production tonight. And I hope you're enjoying Dad's Scrumpy. Uh, excuse me? Yes? Is that the vintage tractor that your father is parking over there? Yes, it is. It's Roger. Roger, from Cornwall. Do you remember me? Oh, yes, of course. Lovely of you to come all this way up. I was hoping to arrive sooner, but the blasted A30 was teeming with grockles. On the way back to London, I shouldn't wonder, the fools. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Roger from the Minac Theatre in Cornwall. Hello, good evening. <laughs> the outdoor amphitheatre, in fact. Now, uh, 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 Michael, uh, uh, a quick word. Um, I've a buyer for that tractor. You do? Yes, me. I've taken a look at that portfolio you and your dad brought down, and, well, I'm utterly smitten. I never realised the appeal of a vintage Massey Harris pony before now. And the butterfly plough, well, it's delightful. Well, that's wonderful. It's not for sale. I'll honour the original asking price, £10,000. No. Oh, all right. I could stretch to a little more. Would twelve do it? I won't sell that tractor for all the tea in China. And as it happens, I'm very fond of tea. Fifty, and that's my final offer. <sighs> Done. You can sit down now, Roger. And if you could be quiet, then I'd be most grateful. Of course. Now then, ladies and gentlemen, you may well think you are in a cowshed in rural Mid-Devon. But you'd be wrong. You are, in fact, in the palace of Theseus, the Duke of Athens, in Greece. I give you a Midsummer Night's Dream, written over 400 years ago by some bloke with a beard. Now, fair Hippolyta, our nuptial hour draws on apace. Four happy days bring in another moon. But oh, methinks, how slow this old moon wanes. She lingers my desires, like to a stepdame or a dowager, long withering out a young man's revenue. Uh, four days will quickly steep themselves in night. Four nights will quickly dream away the time. I... It's at this point that the tractor lights fail. The cowshed is plunged into darkness. Oh, bugger. And Father takes over. Right. Everyone out into the field. Uh, take your scrumpy. Come on, everyone. Uh, walk across to that bank and sit down. Uh, you can sit over there, Doris. Oh, it's a warm evening and, and the ground's dry, so uh, it shouldn't be a problem. Jim, you go there. Uh, Michael. Now is not the time, Roger. 
Pat, you go next to Phyllis. Joyce, park yourself there. I, I was just going to say, when I pop up with the lorry tomorrow to collect the tractor, I'll bring you a rig. Rig? A lighting rig. Really? Of course. We've upgraded at the Minax, and so you're welcome to the old one. Might need a bit of tinkering with, but if your dad's handiwork on that ancient apple press is anything to go by, then I'm sure you'll manage. Thank you. Well, that's jolly kind of you, Roger. But um, I suppose you want paying. Well, I wasn't. Uh, and whilst we're on the subject of payment, how on earth can you afford to buy my tractor for fifteen thousand pounds? I can't imagine working at the Minac pays you much. Absolutely nothing, in fact. I'm a volunteer. However, I was a banker for my sins up in the city of London. Earned a small fortune over a decade and a half, and uh, the process of doing so nearly killed me. Right, well, I'm sorry to hear that. A very lucrative job, Michael, but not one worth dying for. No, of course not. So, I changed my life and came down to the West Country. Rather like Rowena Cade, I suppose. Very sensible decision. And £15,000 for your beautiful old tractor seems very reasonable. I'm happy to take more. <laughs> and in payment for the lighting, may I suggest a gallon or two of your scrumpy might suffice? <laughs> Done. Now then, where's Hippolyta? She'll be with us shortly, Dad. The Zimmer frame is not ideal on this ground, so Puck and Oberon are carrying her across. Ah, here she comes. Our queen of the fairies. Oh, dear, I'm sorry about keeping everyone waiting. Not a problem, Mrs. Scribbins. Uh, pop her down there. Uh, and now we can resume. When you're ready then, fair Hippolyta, uh, take it away. And then the moon, like to a silver bow, new bend in heaven shall behold the night of our solemnities. Mm. And with that, our own Devon moon rose up across the valley and our farm theatre was born. Do you think he liked the show? What? That old owl? Yeah. Yes. I think he probably did. He certainly had the best seat in the house up in that old oak tree. <laughs> did you, Dad? Well, I can't say I knew what was going on much of the time, all those fancy words and all, but apart from that, yeah, I, well, I had the best time, Ruby. Me too, Dad. <laughs> so, what are we doing next? How about The Tempest? Oh, no, not another Shakespeare play. <laughs> we can do it down by the lake. We don't have a lake. We can dig one. We've still got £6,000 to spend. Oh, here we go again, you and your mad ideas. And I don't think Marjorie will consider that's money well spent. She thinks anything you do is wonderful, Dad. Well, I can say why. I am fairly wonderful. Dad. <laughs> we did The Tempest. And no, we didn't dig a lake. We used a silver tablecloth which looked spectacular.
spectacular under our new Minac lighting rig, courtesy of Roger. Dad built an island out of, you guessed it, hay bales. Oh yes, and that's beauty. We brought her back home to Dad. Marjorie said it was money well spent, and well, I agree. So now it really is a farm theatre. The crazy thing is that without this terrible pandemic, I would never have come back to Dad, never have really seen what is important in this fleeting time that we have on this mad planet we call Earth. And now, well, now I know that I've found my true home. Life turns around on its head, upside down. Just like that, things change in a flash. Open Air was written by Zaley Burrow. Ruby was played by Amanda Gordon. Barber by Gerard McDermott. Roger and Richard by David Holt. Rowena Cade and Marjorie by Rachel Atkins. And Mrs. Scrivens by Kate O'Sullivan. The music was specially composed by Chris Parham. The production assistant was Fiona Thrale. The play was produced and directed by Cherry Cookson. It was sound engineered and sound designed by Malcolm Thorpe, with post-production by Ross Berman. Open Air was a wireless theatre production. Production copyright, Wireless Theatre Limited, 2022. I'm heading back to where my life is slow No other place to go How did it get so low? This crazy plan, it's on a downward spin How did this all begin? I tried so hard to win Life turns round on its head Upside down, just like that things change in a flash Swept up shore With the crash of a wave Dashed and strewn And left just like that